0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries, Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu.
1: Hey, y'all. This is Sam Zondetti. This week on the show, NPR editor Arzu Razvani and national correspondent for the Los Angeles Times,
2: Matt Pierce. All right, let's
3: start the show. Hey, y'all from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. It's been a minute. Every week we launch the show with a different song. You know which one this is. We'll talk more about it later. But first, my guest with me in studio, Arza Rizvani, editor for NPR's Morning Edition. Thanks for being here.
4: Thanks for having me. Of
3: course. And Matt Pierce, national correspondent for the LA Times. You cover about everything, there. yes yeah your yeah. beat no, is whatever yeah. needs to be covered <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you're getting called for me something's probably wrong <laughs> love it um also our fourth guest today is madonna when you call nightly, it's like a I'm, I'm playing probably my favorite song of hers like a prayer so i'm playing it because madonna performed this song this week at the met gala gala gala
4: i go with gala
3: gala i'm sure you guys followed the story right
4: oh for sure
3: it was a catholic themed met gala Genius. which is a little weird um the theme of the show was heavenly bodies fashion in the catholic imagination so everyone kind of dressed in their sexy catholic outfits and madonna, <laughs> as one does as one does and madonna um sung this song there because it's all about religious imagery in the video for the song but um People were mad about this gala. Oh, they
4: were? Okay. I wasn't sure if the critics had come out.
3: They were like, how dare you disrespect the Catholic Church? Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't sign up to see a seductive Pope Rihanna, you know? Right. Uh, But turns out the Catholic Church, like, sanctioned the Met Gala. They were, like, in the planning. Mm -hmm. They gave artifacts to the exhibit. In fact, um, Cardinal Timothy Dolan, he talked about the whole event and whether it was appropriate. For the church to be involved in this, he said, You may be asking, what is the Cardinal Archbishop of New York doing here? I asked that when I was invited several months ago. But think about it just for a moment. It's because the church and the Catholic imagination, the theme of this exhibit, are all about three things. Truth, goodness, and beauty. Did you see the outfits?
4: Oh, gorgeous. Yes.
3: My he, favorite was Rihanna as the Pope in a miniskirt. She
4: was amazing. <laughs> and
3: then Jared Leto just like
5: did his best Jesus, which <laughs> right. he does every day. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Was he really just dressing up or did he just show up as Jared he, Leto? basically just showed up. We're like, oh, that's Jesus-y. <laughs>
3: All right, Matt and Arzu are here with me to look back on the week of news, culture, and everything else. Let's get into it. We're each going to describe how this week of news felt in only three words. Matt, don't fail this test. What are your three words? Where's my money?
5: <laughs> <laughs> Where's my money, Sam? Because okay. clearly I'm in the the wrong line of business. Um, Aren't we all? Michael Cohen the president's personal attorney. Once is he again, still the you know.
3: president's personal
5: attorney? Well, I, I feel like it's it's hard for me to answer these questions now because every week I read something in the New York Times where I'm learning brand new things about the Trump administration that I didn't oh, yeah. even think to think about. So the big news this week mm-hmm. is that uh, Michael Avenatti, chisel-jawed attorney for Stephanie Clifford.
4: A.k.a. Stormy Daniels. AKA yes.
5: Stormy Daniels. Michael Avenatti posted a document this week that this same LLC that Cohen was using to make hush money payouts was also used for millions of dollars of consulting work. Consulting work, quotation marks, because I as with everything, <laughs> I, I kind of want to <laughs> yeah. make sure it's real before yeah. I like say it definitively. Yeah. Uh, consulting work with some of the biggest companies in the world. Like uh, Like ATT. Huh. at least for, quote, consulting. Wow. Um, Novartis, it's a huge Swedish drug maker. Mm -hmm. Um, They also paid a bunch of money to Michael Cohen.
3: AT&T can pay all this money, but they can't give me signal in my apartment. (laughs) Maybe someday. Maybe someday. Maybe (laughs) I should
5: pay them some consulting fees. And so some of the reporting that's come out has said that Michael Cohen was approaching these companies after the election saying, like, look, Trump's in the White House now. I know Trump. I can be your boy. Yeah. For a certain amount of money. Uh, and and the, As this, unseemly as that sounds, that's but, kind of the way it works. Yes. Yeah, you yeah, know, and this is it, from so far, all indications are this sort of thing is, is legal. And it, it will, you know, it kind of depends on, you know, specifically what was promised and specifically what he did. But it's almost this inadvertent look into the way that um, American politics works. All right. I'm going to go next, you guys. I have three words.
3: They are who to trust. And I bring these words up because all this week I've been a little bit transfixed by uh, Gina Haspel's confirmation Mm. hearings. Uh, She is Donald Trump's nominee to lead the CIA. And she's facing a lot of questions from people who don't actually trust her that much. So the backstory on her, um, she's been in the CIA for a long time and she was part of – Uh, the CIA's waterboarding campaign in the early 2000s. She served at a black site prison in Thailand in 2002. Um, She did not disavow the work that happened there that included waterboarding. uh, And also, she was part of deleting some tape of the actual behavior going down at these sites. So she was asked about all of this uh, by Democrats and Republicans on Capitol Hill this week. And she basically said, no, trust me, I won't do it again. Uh, Verbatim, she said, I would not allow the CIA to undertake activity that I thought was immoral, even if it was technically legal. And that left a lot of folks saying, well, can we trust you?
5: Because when this happened before, y'all didn't tell us it was happening. Well you know we we're, we're leaning a lot on her word you know cuz cia is not exactly the most transparent agency in america because yeah, it's not supposed cut. to be right <laughs> like <laughs> their whole thing is like we don't tell you everything
3: yeah like, i
4: don't <laughs> think we know the full extent of her activities and involvement i mean we know that she was behind this chat, this dark chapter in American history where we accepted, quote, enhanced interrogations yeah. that some call torture. But to what degree she was involved in actually implementing that or carrying out the interrogations, it's not clear to me. Oh,
3: yeah. The second thing that had me saying who to trust was um, European leaders basically losing confidence in Donald Trump this week as he pulled out of the Iran nuclear deal, which I know you're going to talk about more, Arzu. But... Um, we all saw Donald Trump dramatically announced this week that the U.S. was going to pull out of this deal that kind of put the brakes on Iran's nuclear ambitions until, what, 2030? That's right. Um, so he's saying, we're leaving. We're going to put new sanctions on Iran. And European leaders are really sad about it. Um,
4: wow. They really tried to discourage him. They I did. Mean, you had Macron from France come over and try to dissuade Trump from pulling out Um I think Merkel also came over. Angela Merkel from Germany, yeah, to uh, dissuade him. But uh, you know, you can't. You, you just can't convince Trump. You He's can't gonna do what he wants He's to do. He's gonna do what
3: he wants to do. But like, I think what was the most torturous to those leaders is that like he kind of flirted with it for a while. Yes. Do you have three words?
4: I do. What are they? My three words for this week are style over substance.
3: That's me oh. every week. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> style over substance because, and I'm going to circle back to what you brought up earlier, the Iran nuclear deal. Yeah. Um, you know, well, I guess maybe I should set this up a little bit.
3: And we should um, set you up to talk about it. So you have covered Iran extensively for NPR for a while. You're also a dual citizen of Iran. Uh, what does this deal really mean? Like break it down for us.
4: Yeah. So let's take a step back. I mean, the deal was signed back in 2015 between the United States and several global powers and Iran. And basically what it did was that it um, forced Iran to kind of scale back its nuclear program, Mm -hmm. which the United States and its allies always feared was going into a more militarized direction. Mm -hmm. So they agreed to scale that back in exchange for some sanctions relief, mm-hmm. which had for many, many years crippled Iran's economy.
3: Yeah, the sanctions and, did.
4: And yeah, so those are like kind of the broad outlines of the terms. There are many more details. I we'll won't bore your listeners with them. But this move to withdraw from the deal really fits into Trump's style. Yeah. But in the months to come, I'd be curious to know about the substance, the specifics. Mm-hmm. Um, is he kind of just kind of let the Europeans do what they want on the side and continue to do business with Iran and not really hold their feet to the fire. Yeah. I don't know.
3: What else had you say in uh, your three words this week?
4: So the other thing was, um, earlier this week, on Monday, I finally sat down and watched uh, Donald Glover's music video. For his new song,
3: This Is America. This is This Is America.
4: He, of course, performs under the musical stage name Childish Gambino. And so I sat down and finally watched it and... I was dazzled by it. It's I a mean, lot. It's a lot. It how would
3: lot. you describe it for folks who haven't seen it yet? It is. It is.
4: It's really dark and really heavy, which I don't know that you would catch that if you just listened to the song. You really got to sit down and watch the video. Yeah, which I did like at least a dozen times.
5: <laughs> oh, oh, I had it on repeat
3: on the way over here. Well, because yeah. there's hidden stuff in there, yes. and every time yeah. you watch, you're like, oh, there's another
4: thing. Yes. Yeah. Um. So let's see. How to describe, how to describe the it. video? So
3: okay, like they're in a warehouse. They're
4: in an empty warehouse,
3: and Donald Glover starts dancing. And You're like, oh, this is gonna be fun, and then throughout the video he just shoots people right he shoots a guy playing the guitar execution execution's up he shoots a gospel choir singing behind him and as he's doing this dancing while shooting um these other dancers come up behind him dressed as like school children and they're dancing too and if you just watch the dancing you're distracted from like all the other imagery in the background mm-hmm. the like police cars, yeah the horse of the death hail horse riding through yes. the background yeah it's heavy and I, I I still don't understand what he's trying to do, but I'm in love with trying to figure it out.
4: Right. It's, it's like a riddle. <laughs> yes. But um, so I've, I also pulled up the lyrics because for the life of me, I couldn't figure out what he was saying beyond this is America. Yeah. Which is maybe all you need to know. I mean, exactly. it's said with, with such cynicism. Yeah. Um, and with the imagery in the background, maybe that's all you need to know. But um, the lyrics don't give you much. Not at
3: all. I, I mean, mean like style I've over gone- substance. Yeah. <laughs> I've gone through those lyrics a few times and I'm kind of like, what did you say?
4: <laughs> or maybe we're getting old, Sam. I yes, know. that's
3: what
4: it is. <laughs> <laughs> we're <not young> enough.
5: <laughs> I, I do think you know there is this component of this because I've watched this video a lot. I've listened to the song a lot. The result is is it's created this this piece of art that. You that know, everyone's talking people about. People are exploring for meaning, you know, you're looking yeah. for symbols to draw what you want out. And I, I think, you know, it's good, for, good enough for me. But And
4: I think that's all good art right there. I think it what makes, makes it yeah. so good is that, you know, the music, the beats, the song itself seduces you. There's something very catchy about it. And then once you've been seduced, he forces you to confront these really dark truths about... Mm.
3: America. What we're
4: going through these <laughs> Yeah. Days. Yeah. So I don't know. I like it. It's a it. really powerful piece of art.
3: Yeah. I, I got an email from YouTube's like media people this week saying that at its peak, this video of Donald Glover, shout out Gambinos, it was getting over 950 thousand views in a single hour. Wow. Almost a million views an hour. Wow. At this video's I peak this week. It. Yeah. Wow. We're going to go to a break. Coming up, we're going to actually make a call to Iran uh, to see how a local there is processing the big news with a nuclear deal this week. And of course, my favorite game, Who Said That? You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. We'll be right back.
0: Don't got you slipping, though. Look what I'm whipping, up. This is America. Yeah, yeah. Don't got you slipping, though. We'd like to thank our sponsor who brings you this message, Discover Card, who alerts you if they find your social security number on any one of thousands of risky websites. Discover believes there are some things that you just need to know. It's just another way Discover looks out for you, not just your account. And best of all, social security alerts are free for Discover Card members. All you have to do is sign up online. Learn more at discover.com slash free alerts. Limitations apply.
2: Planet Money tip number 17. Sometimes the most important things need a hype squad.
0: Corporate.
1: Corporate. Income. Income. Tax. Tax.
2: Corporate income tax! Planet Money, a podcast about the economy. A very enthusiastic podcast about the economy.
3: We're back. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders, here in studio with two guests, Arzu Resvani, editor for NPR's Morning Edition, and Matt Pierce, national correspondent for the LA Times. Uh, now it's time for a segment that we call Long Distance where we call a listener and talk to them about what's going on in their neck of the woods. This week's call might be our farthest one yet. We're going to call Iran. Uh, We talked a bit earlier about uh, the U.S. pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal and what it means politically. Now we're going to talk to someone who is in Iran and figure out what it means for folks there. We're going to call up Nassim. She's an Iranian-American living in Tehran. So we're not using Nassim's last name because she doesn't want to draw the attention of Iranian authorities. Hey, Nassim, you there? Hi. How are you?
2: I'm great, thanks. How are you?
3: I'm good. I'm Sam. Thanks for your time. You're actually on the phone with me and two friends of mine here in studio, Arzu and Matt. Say hi, guys.
2: Hello. Hi. Hello.
3: So I heard that you went to college in the U.S. You're a dual citizen. And how long have you been there?
2: Uh, I grew up here, and then I moved to the U.S. I lived there for about 13, 14 years, and I moved back to Tehran 12 years ago.
3: Okay, okay. So what do you do there?
2: I am a yoga instructor.
3: Nice. Very cool. I just started doing yoga. (laughs) It does wonders for the body and the mind.
2: Wise choice. choice. (laughs) So
3: this week, with the news Uh of the nuclear deal... What have you been hearing from folks, and what have you been thinking about it in the aftermath?
2: For me, personally, it's been a relief because now at least we know where the U.S. stands and uh, where we stand. We don't know what's going to happen in the future, you know, but uh, uh, there is some sort of certainty. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. Uh, Does the news of America point out of this deal... Change the way that you view America in terms of like, would you be more or less likely to go back to America, given the news of this week?
2: No, no, no. I don't want to go back to America.
4: That's so interesting. Why? No. Why? Why not? I like my
2: life here. My family is here, and uh, my emotional ties are mm. tied up in this country. It's it's just sort of like a, I don't know the way I, I see the U.S. is somewhat like a very feisty two year old. That wow. That's <laughs> something, and does, you know what I mean? They, they just don't stick with with whatever they say, and they just want to push their way, and then they don't get, I don't know. It's just it's just not a very mature way of being.
5: Mm.
3: Okay. Um, will this affect you at all, America pulling out of the Iran deal?
2: Yeah, because I sort of feel like uh, it's a... Uh, Economically, it will affect the country. How so? Uh, I think our currency is losing value by the second. And Tehran is a very expensive city to live in. Uh, we basically do hmm. make real, but we spend dollars. Really?
3: The real. What is that?
2: It's our currency.
3: Gotcha. And, but so even though that's Iran's currency, the dollar is used a lot there as well.
2: The dollar is not used here at all. We purchase and everything is with real. But then the things that you purchase, it's as if you're paying in dollars. Like, for example, if you go buy a chicken from Whole Foods and it's $10, then we pay the same amount in real here to get the chicken. You see what I mean? So
3: the value of the dollar affects the prices of things in Iran, even though they're paid for in real. Yes. So how do
5: you think this is going to affect your... uh, business
2: okay let's let's put it this way so in the past three months the dollar value almost tripled wow Hmm. okay so if I was making a thousand dollars a month for example now I'm making two hundred dollars a month really in reals I'm making the same thing but in dollar it doesn't it doesn't it's not the same thing not the same so you're basically your money doesn't It's not worth as much.
5: Nassim, um, do your, you know, the clients that come into your yoga studio, I mean, a lot of people do yoga to relax. I mean, do they, do you get the sense that, you know, in times of, you know, political instability like this that you end up getting more clients because of it or <laughs> <laughs>
1: like
5: you know because here in the US there I, I think there was this big boom people have and, more people use therapists more now in the US yeah yeah, yeah. They're, like there are a lot of like kind of liberal people who um, you know do more therapy or exercise more now that Donald Trump is president and I'm wondering if there's a similar effect in Iran
2: <laughs> well what I can tell you is that this nuclear the day it happened it really had shaken everyone like all the students were talking about this and everyone's like what's going to happen and, People were buzzing, in a sense, uh-huh. they weren't centered, you know, they're all in their heads and they're worried, you know, because if if Trump, all of a sudden, Israel decides to actually start a war, we're gonna, we, we feel threatened, but then the U.S. doesn't feel threatened. Mm. I mean, there's nothing we can do to the U.S.
4: Is there a fear of war there?
2: I mean, we, you never know. I mean, it's something that we we think of, we think it might happen. Mm but i don't think we're going to start it i think i think either israel or the us they're going to huh. they're going to start it
3: okay um so how are you going to take your mind off all this heavy news this weekend do you have any fun plans for the weekend
2: i'm not going to read the news <laughs> okay <laughs> we're just going to ignore it and hope it will go away
3: okay but,
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I love, I love going into nature and hiking and stuff like that. So I try to get, get my mind off of it with nature and just, you know, doing your routine. I mean, there's things that are out of your control; they're out of your control, and there's nothing I can do to change it.
3: There you go. Namaste.
2: Namaste.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Naseem, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate your insights. Have a great weekend.
5: All the best. See you guys soon. Thank you. Bye. Bye
3: listeners i want to talk to you about how you're dealing with the news where you are if you have a reaction to something that you've heard on the show or a thing happening in your neighborhood let me know drop us a line at any time at sam at npr.org sam sanders at npr.org You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here in studio with two guests. Arzu Rezvani, editor for NPR's Morning Edition, and Matt Pierce, national correspondent for the LA Times. Uh, You guys, it's time for our main story. I wanted to talk about a topic I always love talking about, the economy. But... I My interest in the economy far outweighs my knowledge of it. <laughs> so I had to call an expert, and I called up Cardiff Garcia. He is the host of NPR's daily podcast called The Indicator from the team behind Planet Money. It's a show all about making sense of the economy. And I wanted to talk to him about the crazy, crazy low unemployment rate. Uh, at this point, it is below 4%. 3.9% to be exact. And it actually hasn't been that low since December of 2000. Wow. Long time. But here's the thing. Though the unemployment rate is shifting down, um, wages aren't going up as mm-hmm. much as some folks would like. Right. So I called up Cardiff and I said, dude, why?
1: This really is uh, a deep economic mystery and something that a lot of economists are really trying to grapple with right now. So back then... In December 2000, wages were going up quickly. People were getting nice raises every year at a rate of 4.3%. Do you know at what pace wages are climbing now? I do not. Tell me. 2.6%. So almost half of that? Yeah, a little more than half of that, but still a significant difference. And... In fact, the mystery is more profound than we've even presented it as so far, right? Because it's not just that the unemployment rate is low. We also just learned this week that there is now one job vacancy for every unemployed person, right? So, like, wait, wait, if you think this. of so that yeah, so everyone could have a job if they wanted a job. Yeah, I mean, it's not quite that straightforward because, okay. of course, not every job is a perfect match for every yes. unemployed person, right? But, like, there's this mystery, this yeah. disconnect between the unemployment rate and the fact that. Companies are not raising wages more um, because you would think that they'd all be kind of scrambling to make sure number one that they keep the workers that they have because if the labor market's really hot there's a lot of hiring going on but also that they're going to raise wages for prospective workers because that's how they're going to attract them Um, and that doesn't seem to be happening. I mean it's happening very slowly but not at the pace that it was happening uh, back in December of 2000. So then If economists don't
3: know for sure why wage growth isn't as high as it should be, What are the reasons they're tossing around? What are some potential theories?
1: Yeah, so the one they're looking at right now, the main one they're looking at right now, is that there is more slack in the labor market than the unemployment rate itself would suggest. And what they mean by that is that the unemployment rate only captures people who don't have a job and they are looking for a job, right? Mm -hmm. There's a whole bunch of other people out there who don't have a job, say they're not looking for a job, but who actually might be willing to take a job if the right job in fact came along Mm -hmm. okay and so there's a theory that in fact the reason that companies don't have to raise wages more aggressively is because there actually are more people out there available to be hired than are reflected just in the unemployment rate that's one possibility it's probably the main one they're arguing about right now
3: so that's the first theory yes what's another theory
1: just that there's been a demographic shift in the population so we know for instance that there's a lot of baby boomers retiring Mm -hmm. right now we also know that there's actually quite a big cohort of millennials people in their 20s and early 30s yeah
3: we work too
1: yeah a lot of these guys have joined the labor market uh in the last five to ten years and just because of that shift you would expect That average wage growth might be held down a little bit because Hmm. people at the end of their careers who are leaving the labor market tend to make more money than people who are just starting out, right? Hmm. Uh, A second possibility is that there's a little bit of evidence that some companies are choosing to pay bonuses now rather than raising wages. And Uh, the reason they might do that is because, you know, if Sam, if I'm your boss, right, and I give mm -hmm. you a bonus this year, I don't necessarily have to give you a bonus next year. I can justify not giving it to you for some reason. But it's harder if I give you uh, a salary bump this year to then take that back next year. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that's another possibility. Uh, And then finally... There is the explanation that says that something might be broken in the economy that didn't used to be broken, right? Hmm. That makes it harder for workers to bargain for higher wages. Uh, One could be that there's a smaller share of workers uh, who are unionized than there were like 50 years ago. Uh, Another is that a lot more companies are now outsourcing a lot of what they do uh, to make their products that they make and sell, right? So Mm -hmm. if before a company would hire literally everybody in the supply chain that was necessary uh, to make a product, those workers could all kind of band together and collectively bargain for higher wages. Well, now it's just harder for them to get together. So if economists or the
3: government or even corporations... Wanted to fix this wage growth issue. What is the one thing that folks in the know think could be done right now to do that?
1: So the first would probably be uh, to convince the Federal Reserve to keep stimulating the economy. Mm -hmm. In terms of companies, you know, that is a harder thing to tackle, right? Uh, well, because they probably something... don't want
3: to raise wages if they don't of have to. Of course
1: not. Yeah, of course not. What you'd want is for, again, the economy itself to be red hot and to convince companies that it's going to stay red hot, uh, and then they'll be convinced that it's worthwhile to pay higher wages, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, the government has you know fiscal policy at its disposal, um, and so it can do things like tax cuts, you know, the kind that they just did uh, at the end of last year, uh, the government can also try things like antitrust law to make sure that companies don't get so big um, and so powerful that they're the only game in town. Then the company can say, yeah, you, you don't have that many other options actually, right? So yeah. there's there's a few different options there, um, mm-hmm. but it is trickier for the government to be involved in compelling companies to raise wages um, than in stimulating the economy overall, And having companies essentially convince themselves that they should raise wages.
3: If you want to know what else to watch in this economy, listen to Cardiff Garcia's podcast called The Indicator. It comes out every day, Cardiff. You stay busy. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Every day. Cardiff Garcia, a.k.a. Cardi G.
1: Whoa. (laughs) You like that? That's a good nickname. Yeah. Thank you, Cardiff. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it.
3: Special thanks to Cardi G. We're back here in studio now with Matt Pierce and Arzu Rezvani. You guys, I want to talk about a thing that I saw in the news this week that could possibly at some point down the road lead to a higher unemployment rate. Did you guys hear or see this uh, Google duplex story this week? No. No. Let me tell you. This week, Google unveiled this new personal assistant that can make calls on your behalf Hmm. so you can say if this thing rolls out to market you could basically tell the google personal assistant to make a call to your hair salon and book the appointment for you we have some tape of it it's creepy so how can i help you
5: Hi, I'm calling to book a women's haircut for a client.
3: That's the robot.
4: Um, I'm looking for something on May 3rd. Um, yes. Sure, what time are you looking for around? Impressive. At 12 p.m. We do not have a 12 p.m. available. The closest we have to that is a one fifteen.
5: Do you have anything between 10 a.m. and uh, 12 p.m.? And, uh, uh, the uh. Depending on what service she would like, what service is she looking for? Just a woman's haircut for now.
3: Isn't that crazy? For now. (laughs) So they put in in likes and ums and pauses to make it sound really, really, really authentic. Would you guys ever do that or use Uh, that?
5: No. Uh, (laughs) You know, that's one of those things, though, where I say no now and then five years, you know, like someone rolls back the tape of this conversation. Like Matt Pierce, you schmuck. You're using this thing to do your job. When I first saw it, I was like, yeah, that's it. This is where I tap out of the modern
3: world. I got to go. Take me back to my Nokia flip phone. I cannot do this anymore. So, and also, what's crazy about this is that the receptionist at the hair salon
5: doesn't know that he or she is talking to a robot.
4: Right. That's crazy. That is really crazy. That's crazy.
5: Yeah, and like it's performing effective labor. Mm -hmm. The term for when you, you know, when you know the the customer service employee smiles at you, or or, yeah, because what if it was like this, you know, robotic voice that's like phoning up your local hair salon and says that fucking appointment, you know, for for this (laughs) (laughs) haircut. That's not that's not what's happening. It's like they're making it sound nice to make other people feel less uncomfortable with the fact that you know the robots are going to eat us. You know what's going to happen, right? Once Mm. they roll this out, right,
3: loser dudes are going to have the Google robot call their girlfriends to break up with them.
5: (laughs) Oh no! You know that's going to (laughs) happen. You know
3: that's going to happen. Post it. So um oh, no. I'm calling because
5: um like um, <laughs> um this relationship <laughs> is over for is now. Anymore.
3: It's not you, it's me. <laughs>
5: <laughs> okay. All right.
3: Time for a quick break. When we come back, you'll hear more real people talking, not robots. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. Mm-hmm.
0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. In 1980, with a few thousand dollars and used dairy equipment, Ken Grossman founded Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Ken's award-winning ales propelled him from home brewer to craft brewer. Today, Ken and his family still own 100% of the company, one of the most successful independent craft breweries in America. More at SierraNevada.com. What does it take to start something from nothing? And what does it take to actually build it? I'm Guy Raz. Every week on How I
5: Built This, I speak with founders behind some of the most inspiring companies in the world. Find it on NPR One or wherever you get your podcasts. This is It's Been a
3: Minute from NPR, the show where we catch up on the week that was. I'm Sam Sanders here in studio with... Arzi Rezvani, editor for NPR's Morning Edition, and Matt Pierce, national correspondent for the LA Times. You guys, it's time for my favorite game.
2: Hey, who, said day day? who said that? Who said that? Who said that?
3: The game is very simple. I share a quote from the week. You guys have to guess who said hey, who that, or at least get close, get the story the it refers Bahen to, get a keyword. I'm not too particular about it. I might, I might in... even give you some hints if you need some help. It's fine. fine. Here's the thing, though. The winner gets absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's fine, though. It's fine. Though. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, first quote, you guys ready? Mm hmm. Dear world, please don't invite me to an event.
4: Lewinsky. Oh! <laughs> that was an amazing tweet.
3: Yes, the whole tweet from Monica Lewinsky was Dear world, please don't invite me to an event, especially one about climate change. And then after I've accepted, uninvite me because Bill Clinton then decided to attend slash was invited. It's 2018, Emily Post would deaf. Not approve. So good. <laughs> so turns out that Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton were both invited to a Town and Country magazine philanthropy summit. When the magazine realized that both had been invited after Bill RSVP'd, they said, "Monica, you don't need to come." <laughs>
5: How did <laughs> that,
2: that is, happen? That also, I
3: was like. like how far removed are we from this scandal? I know. Can we just move on? Let
5: Monica live. Those are my three words. Yes. Let yes. Monica live. Yes. And, and yes. can I add that if, yes. if you're a magazine in the year of our Lord 2018 <laughs> and you invite, you know, and you have the choice of inviting Monica Lewinsky or Bill Clinton to your party, you know, right. one of these people feels like more topical to this moment than, than the, the other. Yeah. <laughs>
3: so also, I'm also kind of of the mind like, well, they're both adults. They probably they could manage. Yeah, Wait. yeah. So Town & Country has since apologized. Um, they said, we apologize to Miss Lewinsky and regret the way the situation was handled. They also apparently, once she got mad about this, they said, oh, it's okay. We'll let you write an article for our magazine instead. Oh. <laughs> she
5: was like, no, nah, I don't want to. <laughs> you can g- continue to generate yeah. Yeah. generate content for us. Yeah. It will be great. Yeah.
3: All right, Arzu, you're up one zip. Next quote. You ready? I was hurt that someone was attacking me in my position as being a doctor. Who's the most famous doctor?
4: Dr. Oz.
3: Keep going. (laughs) Not even a real doctor, but has a name doctor Uh, in his name. Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Dr.
5: Dre. Yes! No way! Yes!
3: That totally a legal fight between two <laughs> Dr. Dre's was settled this week. Dr. Dre. That quote came from gynecologist Dr. Dre AI. Oh. His real name is Dreon M. Birch. He's an MD, like a real doctor. He was sued by Dr. Dre the rapper, D R E. Uh, there was a trademark fight between the two of them that began in 2015. So Dr. Dre the Rapper argued that Dr. Dre the Doctor's name would cause confusion among fans because the gynecologist is also a media personality. Um, Dr. Dre the Rapper
5: lost. Okay. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Hold on a second. A Confu- Okay. <laughs> the, what – I I do want to see the confusion – that would happen if you show up to Dr. Dre's office for an appointment and you realize. Yeah. I don't know, fill in the blank.
3: Also, like,
1: <laughs> this, yes. is not,
5: this is yeah. not what I
3: came this here is for. Also, Dr. Dre, R E, the rapper. Are you really worried about this? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to give you guys a last quote just because I like it. It's super funny. Last quote is. It's just so good. It's just like chocolate, and I couldn't get enough of it at first. But it still is my favorite sandwich. Who said that?
5: Or even what sandwich is he talking about, he or she?
3: What's a popular sandwich? Oh, is
5: it that? Wait. No, no, it's, just it. Is this the, the gold plated sandwich in New York that they were making for the rich people? This is like the layman's burger. This is the burger
3: for every man. The um, most popular burger of all time. The Whopper, the Big Mac the Big Mac. Do you really think the Whopper is more popular than the Big Mac? Uh,
5: I don't have the stats.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So this was a quote from a man named Don Gorski. He set a Guinness World Record a few days ago because he is the person that has eaten the most Big Macs ever of all time. Oh. Um, he's 64 years old. He's eaten 30,000 Big Macs.
4: And he looks thin, right? I think I do remember this yeah, story. 30,
3: yeah, yeah. So he beat the last Big Mac eating record, which was 28,788. Oh. And that was set back in 2016, also by him. <laughs> so
5: you're oh saying that he is the Burger King. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying yes. I'm saying yes.
3: So this guy says that he's fine, his cholesterol is okay, his blood pressure is okay, and he likes what? Big Macs. Amazing. I would do Big Macs if there wasn't a the little middle piece of bread in the middle. It's too mm-hmm. much bread. Yeah. yeah. It's too much bread.
4: Yeah. Hmm. I haven't had one Big Mac in years though. You don't need one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you don't. You don't. Okay, um Arzu. You won that game, but you don't even get a Big Mac because of it. You get nothing. Congrats. How does it feel?
4: feels amazing. Okay.
3: Good. Good. Now it's time to end the show as we do every week. We ask our listeners to share with us the best thing that happened to them all week. We encourage folks to brag. Let's take a listen.
0: Hi, Sam. This is Heather. And the best thing that happened to me this week is that after spending five years away from my home in New Mexico and the last year and a half really thinking about coming back, finally decided to do it nice and i packed my whole life in my car and started the three-day journey from miami back to albuquerque i'm driving down the darkened freeway in texas right now i'm getting close to the border and i can't wait to see my friends and family in the big new mexican sky and eat all the amazing new mexican food again love it hope you're enjoying the west coast also thank you take care
4: hey sam this is ellen from the madison wisconsin area The best thing that's happened to me this week is that I am now a grandma. Ah. The best part of my week is that I ordered my wedding invitations. Okay. I officially finished my first
5: year of graduate school. Congrats. This past Sunday, I ran and completed my first ever marathon.
4: Nice. Hey, Sam, it's Crystal from North Carolina. Hey, Crystal. And the best thing that happened to me this week is being on vacation in Hawaii with my mom to celebrate her birthday. Right. I love you, mom. Happy birthday. Oh, Hi, Sam. It's Libby from
2: Brooklyn, and I'm here with my dog, June. Hey, (laughs) June. And the best part of our week was we were selected to be subjects of a study at the Barnard College Dog Cognition Lab. Wait, stop. June earned a Bachelor of Dogness for her participation (gasps) in the study, and I couldn't be a prouder dog mom.
3: Photos, please. Hi, Sam. This is Solomon. Hey, Solomon. Calling from Qingdao, China. Hey. And the best thing that happened to me this week is that I got my phone back from a taxi driver who had found it in his cab in Hong Kong when I left it there back at the beginning of January.
5: Whoa!
4: Hi, Sam. This is Eunice from Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, Eunice. I am calling because the best thing that happened to me this week was that my mom's waiver got accepted from immigration. Mm. So after 12 years of being out of the country and us living without her for a very long time, she's finally able to come back home wow to live with us thanks 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 sam bye bye bye
3: i love that that was great. great thanks to all the voices you heard there heather ellen abigail heaven chelsea crystal libby and june i need to see photos of june the dog in her cap and gown (laughs) for her graduation from Doggy college also thanks to solomon and to eunice um we listen to all of these that come in so keep sending them thank you for sharing them you can send me your best thing of any week at any point throughout any week just send me a note or the sound of your voice to sam sanders at npr.org sam sanders at npr.org special thanks to two of the best parts of my week My guests, Matt Pierce of the L.A. Times and Arzu Rizvani of NPR's Morning Edition. Thank you guys for being here.
4: Thanks for having us. Thank you.
3: Before we finish the show, though, I want to make one more plug for our live show next week in Chicago. Chicago listeners, I'll be in your city in Chicago at the Old Town School of Folk Music on May 15th at 7 p.m. I'll be interviewing author and all-around funny person Samantha Irby. She's got a great book of essays out called Meaty. It's going to be a fun, fun show. I want you there. Go get tickets at wbez.org slash events. All right. This week, the show was produced by Brent Fackman and Anjali Sastry. Uh, Steve Nelson is our director of programming. We had editing this week from Jeff Rogers and Allison McAdam. And our big boss, NPR's VP of programming at NPR, is Anya Grundman. Listeners, refresh your feed Tuesday morning for a conversation with two filmmakers out with a new movie all about RBG, Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. This chat also features NPR legal affairs correspondent Nina Totenberg. She's also in the film as well, and she knows a lot about the notorious RBG. All right, listeners, thank you for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. We'll talk soon. This is the best part of the song. When the choir comes in. Remember that era of pop music where there would be these songs where the artist is singing, (laughs) then they just stop and the choir sings? Bring it back. Yeah,
5: bring it back. The saxophone solo. Oh, all (laughs) of that. All of that.
4: This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp. When you're carrying around a lot of stress, Therapy is a safe space to get it off your chest. If you're considering therapy, give BetterHelp a try at betterhelp.com/npr to get 10% off your first month.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Mass Mutual. The Financial Educators Council says 39% of Americans don't have someone to go to for financial advice. But you can plan for the short and long term with someone backed by 170 years of financial expertise at MassMutual.com.
4: Summer is for going to the movie theater because it's too hot to stay home. It's for driving with the windows down, listening to your favorite music. It's for stretching out while you're on vacation to gobble up a TV show. For a guide to some of the TV, movies, and music we are most excited about this summer, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR.